When I was born, it was kind of an in-between time for Kansas City baseball. One team had left and had moved to Oakland, California. The team that was coming would be coming when I was two years old. And we all know about the Royals and their history therein. This show is not about the Royals, however. This, this is about the team that kind of set the history a little bit with regard to Kansas City baseball. It had a very peculiar history, the Kansas City Athletics, or the Kansas City A's for short. We're going to take a look at that history. There was a YouTube video that had been released about this. And I want you to at least hear the audio portion of it for this edition here of the New Directions podcast. A little Kansas City baseball history in the middle of a cold weekend when the Chiefs are going to be playing in not-so-nice conditions. A little baseball here on the podcast, and we'll get underway talking about the A's right after this. As we all know, Kansas City is barbecue country. I had a chance to eat recently from a food truck that has some has a very, very unique method of handling barbecue, and I want to tell you about it. This is Terry Runyon from the New Directions Podcast, here to tell you about Too Hot to Handle Barbecue. Their food truck is mainly located in Kansas City, Kansas, but they will do catering for you and serve a very, very good selection of food from their truck. I had a chance to try the pulled pork, had a chance to try the chicken also, both of which are very good. They have the rest of the barbecue fare as well. If you wanna have some catering done by these folks, give them a call. I'm sure they'll be glad to do something like that for you. They have superior service, personalized attention, and they start with the simple idea of bringing the best from us to you. Reach out today to schedule your event. If you have an event and would like to have a a good food truck provide the food for you, I would say give Too Hot to Handle Barbecue a call at 913-396-1762 or go to Too Hot to Handle, that's the number two, hot number two handle barbecue.com you my friend will be very glad you did i think that the voice you're going to hear telling the story and we'll do this over two segments is adam velasquez was located in the northeast and upper midwest, and not a single one had relocated since 1903. But after World War II, as the population shifted more west and south, 
the 50s became a mad dash to different cities. One team looking for a new home was the Philadelphia Athletics. The A's were one of baseball's early dynasties. But by the 40s, they struggled to stay out of last place. Then by the 50s, the Phillies, with their recent trip to the World Series, overtook the A's as the city's favorite. Then, after Connie Mack, their longtime manager and owner, stepped down, the A's were in need of a new owner and a new home. Kansas City is a brawling, lusty city that stands defiantly on the shores of the Missouri River. Kansas City sports editor Ernie Mel had tried for years to bring a team to Kansas City. And after failing with both the Braves and the Browns, the A's became his new target. But he needed a wealthy partner. So he went after Chicago real estate investor Arnold Johnson. Johnson already had ties to Major League Baseball, owning both Yankee Stadium and Kansas City's Municipal Stadium in 1953. And as soon as he came on the scene, Mel finally saw his chance. In 1954, Johnson was convinced and purchased the A's, bringing them to a stadium in Kansas City. Kansas City puts on a big league welcome for its brand new big league team. Just a moment here. We'll get you back. its entire history, Kansas City only ever had three professional sports teams. Two of them folded within two years. The other were the Monarchs. One of the Negro League's original teams, they were a powerhouse. With players like Jackie Robinson, Satchel Paige, and Buck O'Neill. But by 1948, Major League Baseball had desegregated, and the Monarchs became a strictly minor league team. So, when the A's arrived, they were met with a hungry fan base. Kansas City proves its baseball pride by queuing up for tickets whenever the A's are in town. In the first two years of its membership in the American League, the club each year drew more than one million fans into spacious municipal stadiums.
even though they weren't that great on the field. The city was just happy to have a baseball team. And no one expected them to be great right away. But after some questionable trades, Johnson's close ties with the Yankees started becoming more apparent. Over New York, the Yankees were owned by two people, Dan Topping and Del Webb. Topping was involved in team operations, while Webb was involved in league affairs, and Del Webb Just a moment. was the most powerful owner of baseball at this time. A businessman that earned his wealth in construction, building a number of Las Vegas casinos. The MLB commissioner at the time, Happy Chandler, wasn't too thrilled his most notable owner was a gambling tycoon. So he tried numerous times to curb his growing power and influence. This war eventually led to the ousting of Chandler by the other owners, and Webb handpicked the next commissioner. In 1953, he sold the two Yankee real estate properties to his vending machine business associate, Arnold Johnson. And when Johnson moved the A's to Kansas City, it was Webb's company that expanded the seating capacity of Municipal Stadium. Arnold Johnson soon became one of Webb's most reliable partners, and that partnership leaked onto the field. Between 1955 and 1960, Johnson and Webb's clubs were responsible for 16 trades with each other. No one was even close to them. The most egregious of these was when the A's traded their best hitter to the Yankees, Roger Morris. All he would do in New York is win two MVPs and break Babe Ruth's iconic home run record. These trades sabotaged the A's, keeping them baseball seller while keeping the Yankees perennial championship contenders. The 1961 New York Yankees are considered by many to be one of the best teams in baseball history. Ten players from that team were former Kansas City A's. But then everything changed in 1960, when Arnold Johnson suddenly passed away. His family put the team up for sale, and it was purchased by Charlie Finley. In one of Finley's first moves, he installed fluorescent lights in the dugouts so fans could have a better view of players. During a game against New York, a Yankee player found the hidden switch and turned off the lights. Finley, noticing they were off, sent an electrician down to fix the problem. 
As soon as he flipped the lights back on and left, the Yankees switched them off again. So the electrician returned to flip them back on, and as soon as he left, the Yankees turned them off. Finley finally relented, but after the game, he removed the switch and told the Yankees if you want them off, hit them with a bat. He was an owner the complete opposite of Arnold Johnson. He was outspoken, a massive baseball fan, and he despised the Yankees and the seemingly preferable treatment they got from the American League. In his first two years, Finley would change the team colors to gold and Kelly green, change the uniforms, he changed the mascot from an elephant to a mule named Charlie O. He'd install a mechanical rabbit at home plate to deliver baseballs to the umpire. And he even had his own pregame show. He'd fire his first manager halfway through his first season. As the two were at each other's throats over Finley's excessive micromanaging. But even with all these changes, the team's performance stayed the same. We'll pick up with that story on the other side of this break. As they say, the show must go on. One had to stop early, but one took over. They're going to be as strong as ever before. The farewell tour will still continue. And I'll still tell you about it right here on the New Directions podcast. There is a book that has been released about the connections that Johnson had with the with the Yankees. I had seen the book at a bookstore several years ago, and I'm finding myself interested in it again. I'd like to learn a little more about that, but I think the main reason why the A's had the history they did here in Kansas City is the owner you, owner's name that you heard near the end of the first segment. Charlie O. Finley. Meanwhile, back at the show. And by 1962, attendance was greater. Professional football, that most fascinating, most exciting of all spectator sports, came to Mid-America in 1963 when the Dallas Texans became the Kansas City Chiefs. To lure the Chiefs, Kansas City gave owner Lamar Hunt a $1-a-year lease to play in Municipal Stadium. Outraged by the offer, Finley demanded he get the same deal. And after initially agreeing, a brand-new city council refused. So he threatened to relocate the A's to Oakland, California. But because he only had one more year on his current lease, the AL denied any move. 
Then in 1963, the A's finally improved. And so did attendance. But negotiations on a new lease stalled. Kansas City was ready to give him a $1 a year lease, but they disagreed over the length. Finley wanted only two years, and the city wanted four. With no lease, Finley once again tried to relocate, this time to Louisville, Kentucky. But the AL voted him down. Unable to get a fair lease, and unable to relocate, Finley threatened to move his Major League Baseball team to the rural town of Peculiar, Missouri. These antics were annoying the American League, and they gave him an ultimatum. Either sign a new lease, or sell the team. Finley decided to sue, to reinstate the lease that the previous city council tossed out in 1963. Because importantly, it had a clause that stated if attendance fell below 850,000, Finley could move the team. The city did not want that clause, as attendance had yet to even reach that mark in Finley's three years as owner. After a few core battles, Finley finally relented and signed the city's four-year lease. Now stuck in Municipal Stadium, Finley decided to make some more changes, specifically as retaliation to the American League. He created the Pennant Porch, outfield seats designed to bring in Municipal Stadium's foul line to 296 feet. Why? Major League Baseball had a rule that no foul line could be less than 325 feet. Yankee Stadium was grandfathered into this rule, which allowed them to have the shortest foul line in baseball. So Finley created the pennant porch to directly mirror Yankee Stadium's outfield. But right at the foul line, it angled back to meet the minimum requirement. The A's, however, would return to the cellar in 1964. And attendance would fall once again. But stuck in Kansas City for four years, he did anything he could to drum up attendance. In 1964, the Beatles were in the middle of their first ever North American tour. But they did not have a stop in Kansas City. Finley paid the highest advance for a musical act at the time to have them play at Municipal Stadium. He signed a near 60-year-old Satchel Page to pitch a game. As old Satch poured a fast one in there. And even though he hadn't pitched in the majors in 12 years, he still managed to shut out the Red Sox in his three innings. Yet with all these gimmicks, the A's still found themselves in last place. And fans began getting frustrated. Although they were pretty average on offense, they were awful on the mound. And Finley's lack of patience with managers certainly didn't help. 
after hiring multiple managers with little to no experience, his next hire would be for a proven winner. In 1966, Finley hired Alvin Dark. Dark took the Giants to the World Series in 1962 and had a winning season every year. But after making racist comments towards his own players, he was fired and unable to be a manager elsewhere. But Finley saw a proven winner, and Dark took the only job he could, a job no one else wanted. And in 1966, behind vastly improved pitching, the A's finished with their best record in eight years, which skyrocketed attendance. So heading into the 1967 season, the hype around the A's were the highest it's been since the team first arrived in Kansas City. Built in 1923, Municipal Stadium was beginning to show its age. And with Finley's lease almost up, plus the new NFL requirement of each stadium having at least 50,000 seats, the city began proposals on a new sports complex. Their first proposal was a single dome stadium downtown. But since Finley refused to share another stadium with the Chiefs, a second proposal was made with two stadiums about 20 minutes east of the city. Owners Charlie Finley and Lamar Hunt signed off and the proposal would be sent to voters in June of 1967. If the A's could just maintain their performance from a year ago, Finley would have his new baseball stadium. had gotten worse th since. The A's would finish 1967 with their third last place finish in four years. Finley fired Al Dark in August over refusing to discipline his players. Then he hired his seventh manager in his seventh season as owner. In those seven years, only expansion teams had a worse record than the A's. Attendance fell just slightly, but that was all Finley needed. His lease was now up. In October of 1967, four months after the city approved his new stadium, Finley officially sought relocation to Oakland, California. And after years of denying his requests, the AL was finally going to allow his move because they wanted another team in California. And with the Angels in LA, 
Oakland was the perfect spot for the next one. Which angered someone in Washington? Missouri's U.S. Senator Stuart Symington was one of the most powerful members of Congress. And he was furious the AL allowed Finley to move after he just signed off on the construction of a new stadium, threatening to remove Major League Baseball's antitrust exemption. But after pressure from both owners and the National League, the AL relented and granted Kansas City an expansion franchise, the Royals. And expanding in pairs, the Seattle Pilots also debuted. And with the NL trying to keep pace with the AL, they also expanded with the San Diego Padres and the Montreal Expos. Finley's relocation essentially created four new baseball teams. In their 13 years, the Kansas City A's never had a record above 500. The Oakland A's, however, had one in their very first season. Then when the Truman Sports Complex finally opened in 1972, the Oakland A's won the World Series. Then they won it again. And again. Oakland was gifted a dynasty. All Kansas City got was a Yankee farm team and an owner that couldn't get out of his own way. After the move, Symington would say that the loss of the A's was made up for finally getting rid of Finley. However, Kansas City would lose two more teams over similar disagreements. But the Royals would stay. And that's all Ernie Mel really wanted. When the A's first arrived in 1955, he said the important thing is that we've gone big league. And to go big league, you've got to take the best you can get. <clears throat> and they really did. Oh, there's still more. Just a second. No, there was not. A storied history, not only of the A's, but also the Royals, and really just Kansas City baseball. Kind of fun to learn a little bit more than perhaps we might have learned originally. I'll look ahead to the next podcast is on the other side of this break. He's performed with his friends for over 50 years. But that's not the only group he performs for. He has a family, and a very big one at that. And they're coming, guys. William Lee Golden is bringing his three sons, a, lot, a few grandchildren, 
and an all-star band to a concert venue near you. They're not just country. They're not just rock and roll. They're not just gospel either. They do it all. And they do it all very, very well. So follow the Hillbilly Highway and find the Goldens coming to a theater near you. Next time on the podcast, I'm going to introduce you to the man who has taken Joe Bonsall's place on the farewell tour with the Oak Ridge Boys. His name is Ben James, and he has some bluegrass background also. We'll get into that for the first segment. For the second, the I Have a Dream speech. We'll hear Martin Luther King's words once again. It was nice to be able to hear the full history behind the Kansas City A's. Yes, they did have bad times, but their bad times started long before Charlie Finley became the owner. They were a Yankee franchise. But when Charlie Finley became the owner, he made them even more of a laughing stock. I did, however, like the way that segment ended when they said that Charlie Finley moving to Oakland opened the door for four baseball teams. So so maybe Charlie Finley wasn't all bad after all, huh? Not for me to say, but we move on on that one. And on that note, that's going to wind things up with this edition of the New Directions Podcast. Thank you for being with me as always. We will see you next time when we talk about Ben James and the overall American dream. Until then, I haven't heard the Mountain Man sing this particular solo in quite a while. I had seen it on YouTube also. I'm going to have him sing it now. Here is William Lee Golden with Keep Looking Up. Yeah.